Welcome to this podcast from Greater Boston on WGBH2. It is one in a series of interviews with authors conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. Our podcasts are made possible through the generous contributions of WGBH viewers and listeners like you. Thanks for joining us. And now, here's Emily. Suffolk University law professor Michael Avery says the United States Supreme Court, under the leadership of Justice William Rehnquist, failed to protect the civil liberties of citizens coming before the court. In his new book, We Dissent, Avery looks at eight Supreme Court cases from torture to road speeding to inclusion in political debates. And Michael Avery is here. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So you pick, on, you pick up eight particular cases. But I'm wondering if you think, overall, a conservative court is more likely to violate civil liberties than a liberal one. Is there any evidence of that? Oh, there's a lot of evidence of it. The Rehnquist Court was one of the most uh, activist courts uh, really in the history of the United States. The conservatives tend to complain about activist judges, but the Rehnquist Court was very activist in, uh, in striking down legislation mm -hmm. from Congress, and in particular, a very activist in interfering with the Civil Rights Act itself. And, and that's what a lot of the essays in this book are about. Uh, complaining about the fact that the Rehnquist Court stood in the way of people who were trying to get a remedy for violations of their civil rights by, let's say, local law enforcement or by federal or state government officials. Well, you have one case, for instance, where, that was the first one, where somebody's trying to sue the state governments over an overtime issue or something like that. And, and the bottom line being, you can't sue the government without their permission, and they, the Supreme Court upheld that. but. Isn't that true in, in a lot of states? I mean, wouldn't that be upheld by the Supreme Court? Well, what was interesting about that was these were probation officers in Maine, and they were suing for overtime pay under a federal statute in state court. And the U.S. Supreme Court said that the state was protected by sovereign immunity in state court, even though the probation officers were suing under a federal statute. Mm -hmm. And Professor Chemerinsky, who's now the dean of Irvine Law School, uh, writes a dissent. All, all our essays are in yeah, the so form that, of, of dissents that should have been written but weren't. Dissent that wasn't written. I like that. You wrote yeah. one, too. Yes. And uh, so, so what he says is, isn't it ironic uh, that in the New Republic, which was uh, started here in the United States, one of the doctrines which the Supreme Court 200 years later says was inherited from England was that you can't sue the king without his permission. You might have thought in this new democracy, one of the things we tried to do was get rid of doctrines like that, but sovereign yeah. immunity, you well, know. Now, one of the cases that fascinated me, because it comes up every year, every election cycle, whether it's gubernatorial or uh, presidential, and that is the issue of third-party candidates. So you found one in Tennessee, was it? Where? In uh, uh, Arkansas. Arkansas, okay. And the guy was credible. I mean, he, he, he met all the thresholds. He had the right percentage of uh, popular vote and all that. But he was excluded from a public television presidential debate, and the Supreme Court upheld that. That, that one was surprising to me. Yes. Uh, Jamie Raskin, who used to be in the Attorney General's office here in Massachusetts, now he teaches at American Law School, wrote a dissent in that case. And he said, what... What the Supreme Court effectively did there was to treat the two-party system as though it had constitutional protection. And of course, the people who drafted the Constitution thought we weren't going to have any political parties. Was that before or after Ross Perot, that case? 
That was after Ross Perot. After, because Ross met the threshold and got included. In, yes, in and after he did, uh, then they, they took it away from the League of Women Voters and they, yes. they set up a different system. But this was Arkansas Public Television and uh, they didn't want this third-party candidate and the, Sup the Supreme Court protected that and said public television could make the decision about whether or not the candidate was viable. And uh, Professor Raskin says, really, it's the voters who decide whether somebody's viable, not, uh, not the government. If, if the government gets in the position of deciding who's viable, now that sort of disrupts the function of, of elections. Except for when you're the host of something, aren't you allowed to invite anybody to your party that you want? If the host was a private host, but if the host is the government, and public television, of course, is the, is the government. Sort of. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe you don't like yeah. to think of yourself as the government, but, but uh, public television is the government in that sense. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, the, Mr. Forbes So would it have been different to you if it had been a, local, uh, a, tele a commercial television station? Would that have been made the difference? Th that would be different. Or yeah. if the Democrats and the Republicans got together and said, we're going to have our own debate. It's a private debate between the mm -hmm. Democrats and the Republicans. That would be different. But this was a public debate, and Mr. Forbes had a right to participate, and the Supreme Court was wrong mm -hmm. to, to say that he didn't. Another one that fascinated me was the, the high-speed chase uh, state trooper, I think it was, going after a kid on a mo motorcycle. The trooper's going 100 miles an hour. The kid loses control of the bikes, kid's off the road. The trooper is going so fast, hits the kid, kills him. Yes. And the parents sued. Um, it, it seems to me that if that, I mean, I don't know, you, I would have made the proper descent, the right descent on that one too, which is that is, I mean, the guy was breaking the law himself. Well, that's the, that's the one I wrote. Yeah. Oh, and, good. I'm glad I agree with that. <laughs> and what bothered me about that case, Justice Souter wrote that case, mm -hmm. uh, and it was a unanimous decision, no dissents by the Supreme Court. And what Justice Souter said was, even if the police behave with reckless disregard, for life, it doesn't violate the constitutional rights of somebody involved. And, and the, actually it was that case that motivated me to put this book together mm. because it shocked me that there were no dissents to that position. There were none. Reckless disregard for mm. life. Uh, it, it's chilling just to, to, to hear it. And, and it bothers me today because, you know, and this is one of the themes of this book is about government accountability. Mm -hmm. And I, I happened to be listening to President Obama the other day, and he said that he thinks that, that Justice Souter's a pretty good judge. And Justice Souter's not a bad judge, except when it comes to government accountability, and then I'm afraid to say he's a terrible judge. And he's a, he's a terrible judge when it comes to the Civil Rights Act, because he always finds a way for the government to have mm. some kind of defense against liability from some citizen whose rights were violated. Well, Justice uh, Ruth Gator Bernsberg uh, suggested that someone's going to be retiring from the court very soon, maybe Stevens, maybe her. But uh, do you think this will change, you know, the outlook, the change the consistency, the whole... It, it, depends, the it depends who the president appoints. You know, President Clinton made two appointments, Justice Ginsburg and Justice Breyer. And, and I'm sorry to say that, that Justice Breyer's not a very good justice when it comes to government accountability either. That, that was sort of, this sounds harsh, but, but that was sort of a wasted appointment. Hmm. And, and if President Obama wastes his appointment on moderates like, like Stephen Breyer, we won't be able to get the balance we need on the Supreme hmm. Court. 
One, one, of the, one of the things that, that our book tries to show, a lot of the cases that, that we talk about in our book are, are not very well known. No, you I've know. never heard of any of it, It's not the abortion yeah, case. Yeah. It's, it's, not the, you know, it's not the cases that people talk about, but they're very mm. important cases that people don't know about. And uh, one of the things that I hope is that President Obama will pick justices who are good on government accountability because God knows in the last eight years, that's one of the things that's been sorely lacking in this country. All right, fascinating book, We Dissent. Michael Avery, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this podcast, one in a series of interviews conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. We invite you to watch Greater Boston weeknights on WGBH2 at 7 p.m. and again at midnight. The program is also available through Comcast On Demand.